Hello, and welcome to the final episode of My Summer in Alaska. I'm Emily Cherish. On this episode, I'm going to give you access into my international relations of the North course. This course was so informative for me. I think living in Alaska for two months has shown me a lot about what life is like here and what matters when you're living up north. People talk a lot about climate change here and how that affects their everyday life. With more on climate change and other key concepts, this is the instructor for the course, Brandon Boylan. It was a beautiful day outside, so I decided to conduct the interview with my professor outside the Museum of the North. I am Brandon Boylan, and I'm an associate professor in the political science department, and I also direct the Arctic and Northern Studies program at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. And this summer, I am teaching international relations of the North. We're a regional studies program, so we are a program focused on the Arctic and the circumpolar North. And so if students are interested in that region of the world, which I think is a very exciting region because it's changing so quickly, we focus a lot on climate change and how climate change is affecting the peoples of the North and the, and the ecosystems, complex systems in the North. There is a little bit of debate about what the Arctic is, but I think of you know a, a very popular definition is the area above the Arctic Circle. If you go by that definition, you're really looking at, in terms of the countries, you're looking at the United States by way of Alaska, Canada, uh, Denmark by way of Greenland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia. But beyond the states, there are a variety of indigenous peoples that live in the high north, so at the Arctic Circle or above. There are, of course, the Arctic Ocean, um, and with climate change, you have these new sea routes opening up. So like the Northwest Passage and the Northern Sea Route, and various people and companies or states are interested in using these routes for all sorts of different reasons. And the Circumpolar North has a slightly different definition. It just refers to the high north of the world. So not necessarily above the Arctic Circle, but I would consider us in Fairbanks a part of the Circumpolar North. A course like International Relations of the North is great for Alaskans and beyond because our world is changing. You know, climate change is real. And we in Alaska, we are on the front lines of climate change and we're we, we see it, you know, we, we see temperature influxes, we see permafrost melting, we see caribou herds taking different migratory paths. And a course like this ideally helps you process what you're seeing in your own life, you know. And while you're here, you learn about um, Russia, for example. Right. And I know like the military, but a host of other actors are interested in what Russia is doing in the high north. And a course like this would help you give you sort of theoretical tools and knowledge and concepts about how to interpret things that we're hearing in the news and witnessing in our own lives. So I do think that this is a course that's very much modern and on topic and important to, to process what's going on in the Arctic. Even though I think Alaskans are more keenly interested in Arctic issues by virtue of the fact that we live here, the Arctic is slowly becoming more important to the rest of the United States because of 
all sorts of things, not, not to mention, again, like climate change and, and Russian activity in the Arctic. What we know is that climate change is happening much faster in the Arctic than the rest of the world. That is leading to all sorts of both challenges, but also opportunities. You know, one challenge is how do people living um, in this region adapt to climate change, adapt to rising sea levels, adapt to permafrost melt. Permafrost is essentially frozen ground beneath the Earth's surface. And as long as it's stable, it's no problem, like remains frozen, it's no problem. But when it starts to thaw, you have Shishmaref is a coastal community experiencing coastal erosion and permafrost um, thaw. And it's a community in coastal Alaska that's literally like falling into the, the Arctic Ocean. You can look around here in Fairbanks, you can look at some houses that were built on permafrost and that permafrost is thawing and you see these structures collapsing. Infrastructure is a really big problem in all around Alaska, but in, in North Alaska in particular because of issues like permafrost thaw. Uh, warming temperatures. There are a lot of our Alaskan communities that rely on subsistence hunting and fishing. And with changing temperatures and permafrost thaw and different impacts to vegetation, that's throwing off migratory patterns of animals and wildlife like caribou, for example. So that's affecting subsistence hunting because if people have to go further out to hunt caribou because they're migratory paths are different, then um, it's a real problem for them. It's a real problem for their food security. And again, I mentioned Shishmaref. I mean, it's, it's like literally falling into the water because of coastal erosion um, as a result of climate change. There are also a lot of opportunities, like I've mentioned, if we could do it safely and politically stably, you've got uh, sea routes opening up that can um, support transportation of goods, for example, Asia to Europe, if cargo ships and other sorts of vessels can navigate the northern sea route. Where does Alaska situate within, like, an international context? You know, it's an interesting perspective, I think, because the United States is an Arctic country by way of Alaska, but Alaska isn't connected to the contiguous United States. And so I think there are a lot of Americans that don't really know about Alaska and don't know about Alaska's geography and Alaska's politics. D.C. is, is our capital and it's a far ways away from the Arctic region, right? Um, whereas if you look at a map, you'll see that Russia constitutes a large portion of the Arctic. And so the Arctic plays a stronger role in Russia's identity, and Russia draws a lot of its natural resources and supports its GDP from the Arctic region. Um, and that's not really the case in America, you know. So although we're a huge power globally, we're not as, uh, as a country interested in the Arctic as much as, say, Russia or Norway or some of the other Arctic states. Actually, the very first thing I would tell like a prospective student who thought about coming to Alaska and perhaps studying at University of Alaska Fairbanks is this is the land of opportunity. I mean, because we have such a low population, our students have so many, I would say, more opportunities to get involved in all sorts of things going on in Alaska, not to mention in Juneau, you know, our state capital. 
we have I'm in the political science department as well as Arctic and Northern Studies, and we have just I've really never seen a motivated student who wanted to work in Alaskan politics not be able to do so. Mm. Our students have gone on to be campaign managers for political figures, staffers for political figures. They've done internships in Juneau, and not to mention being able to work at like environmental NGOs and and other kinds of uh, organizations in the nonprofit sector. So that would be my first message is if you come here, uh, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to be integrated into the culture and the politics here. No one does what we do here. I mean, our campus focuses on Alaska and the Arctic, and you're not going to find, like I direct Arctic and Northern Studies at, at UAF, you won't find any other program like that in the country. We're it, you know. You, you might have other universities teaching a course on climate change or maybe even the Arctic, but we have a whole bachelor's degree in this. We have a whole master's degree, and again, you can even do doctoral studies here and so going back to climate change what are some more of the challenges that it presents how can you see it here there are a lot of people who have lived in Fairbanks and other places around Alaska who have endured much harsher winters earlier in their lives for example and so just anecdotally you hear a lot of people say you know the winters are becoming more mild here in Fairbanks what do you think like of the Arctic is? Like, what are some things that are going to change in the next? There are a lot of people that follow the Arctic and they have wildly different ideas about what the future is going to hold. I am very hopeful that the Arctic will develop in peaceful, cooperative ways. Because what's fascinating about the Arctic is it's opened up as an independent region that began in a very cooperative spirit. So even though you have the U.S. and Russia um, in conflict over Ukraine and other, other areas of the world, they actually cooperate pretty nicely in the Arctic. That's something to be said for do these bilateral relations, are they region specific? You know, I think that's really fascinating. There's a culture of cooperation. There's a, there's a norm of cooperation. I will say, though, um, not to be naive or overly optimistic, what we need to do is treat climate change seriously. You know, there's still an ongoing debate if it's even happening. Well, it is happening. You know, all of the scientific evidence shows it's happening. And... Although there are some people that think fate is sealed, I, I mean, I, I, I disagree with that. I think we need to act. I think rejoining the Paris Agreement, for example, was a good move. I think we talk about mitigation and adaptation. So how can we mitigate the effects of climate change, but how can we also adapt to climate change. And I think both of those are part of the solution. We as a country and a, and a whole world, you know, need to take climate change seriously and do what we can to, to slow it and to give us time to adapt to it. Thanks to Professor Boylan. One of UAF's gems is the on-campus museum, the University of Alaska Museum of the North. Candidly, this is one of the most impressive, comprehensive collections of artifacts that really represent and tell a story of what it means to habitate in the North. I took my mom here, and it just gives like a good idea of what 
the history of this place, and what it means to live here now. In the spirit of Northern Studies, I welcome our next guest, the museum director. Hi, my name is Pat Druckenmiller, and I'm the director of the University of Alaska Museum. I'm a professor of geology in the Department of Geosciences here at University of Alaska Fairbanks. And I'm a vertebrate paleontologist, so I study, I study dinosaurs and other cool critters from the Mesozoic era. So what got you into paleontology? Well, I guess the thing that, that attracted me to paleontology was uh, a lifelong interest in both geology and biology. I could never decide which I liked more, and I found that I could combine the two by studying fossils because it really draws heavily on both both disciplines. It's a great way too to experience Alaska by doing field work. So we have to go traipse around the various wilds of the state looking for fossils, knowing what the rocks are like, and um, it's quite an adventure. Can you tell me a bit about the Museum of the North? So the, the University of Alaska Museum of the North, or I'll just call it Museum of the North, is, is really one of the real gems, not just on the campus here at UAF, but in, in Alaska. Our museum really has uh, two major sides to it. There's what I call the upstairs and the downstairs. The upstairs consist of uh, a variety of different exhibits uh, and galleries that tell the story of Alaska's natural and cultural history. And there's a lot of really new, exciting things we've just recently put on display. Probably the coolest thing is we just mounted a complete articulated bowhead whale skeleton, and we've now suspended that from the ceiling of our lobby. It's a 40, about a 45-foot-long individual. It's an amazing exhibit. You can walk below it, on the side of it, and above it, and it really tells a wonderful story of Alaska's... Uh, Natural history, but also uh, the specimen was uh, a result of a native harvest. So it's got huge cultural implications as well. So that's a great, it's a great story. Now, the other side of our museum is out of sight of most of the public, and it's, it's the downstairs side. And it's really, it's the beating heart of our museum, and that's our collections. Our museum is uh, home to the largest cultural and natural history collections in the state of Alaska. And we actually have two and a half million objects. And these are everything from art and artifacts, uh, biological specimens and things I like, fossils that are housed in our collections. And these are really the basis for all of the kinds of research, exhibits, and outreach that we do here at, at our museum. And they're a great resource not just to researchers in this building, but across our entire campus and, in fact, we are a major destination for anyone who wants to study all things Arctic from anywhere in the world. We have actually the largest collection, for example, of marine mammals anywhere in the world. We have the largest collection of Arctic dinosaurs anywhere in the world. And we have outstanding archaeological and cultural collections from across the state. Birds and bees and anything else you can think of uh, that lives in the state, we also have collections. It's a really exciting place to work. We have a big team of curators and collection managers who who help to take care of all these various objects. Yeah, they make their way ultimately uh, upstairs in various forms through exhibits and outreach. Can you profile like one specific either collection or exhibit or something that's exciting to you? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the really exciting things that's coming up uh, that we're just now in the process 
of developing is a new exhibit um, on a really iconic object, and that is Bus 142. This is the, the bus known as the Into the Wild bus. Uh, it's the bus that was the subject of uh, a novel by John Krakauer and a movie by the same name. It's a bus that resided for many decades off into the wilds, not too far north of Denali National Park. It has a long, interesting history, but the most famous part of the history involved a summer spent there by a young man named Christopher McCandless, who unfortunately died in that bus. That occurred in 1992, and then since then, the bus has been, unfortunately, um, it's been a, a really like a mecca for many people, and a couple of people have unfortunately perished trying to cross the Teklanika River to access the bus. Last summer, the bus was removed by the state of Alaska, and we became the new home for this this object as the uh, major state repository here in interior Alaska. Our plan is to develop this into a free outdoor exhibit and actually it'll be eventually located in the woods to the north of our museum parking lot. And the idea is to really tell the story. Uh, you know, this one particular bus has so many stories to tell. Uh, it's not just about Chris McCandless um, but it has a lot to do with actually the mining history in Alaska, has to do with uh, a variety of different um, takes on Alaskan wilderness that people have from both uh, across the globe and by local Alaskans. So love it or hate it, the bus is um, a subject of, of, um, of great interest, and we want to tell that story by providing... Uh, a really broad view um, from multiple perspectives of, of what that bus is, what it means, and how it reflects um, life in Alaska. And I think it's going to ultimately be a huge draw to, to the campus to see this object um, just based on what we know of its, its significance internationally. We hold these collections in trust for researchers, for education, for outreach, um, it's part of the mission of the university to, you know, to, um, to understand our state. And the museum is just one of those different entities that does that. Um, and our holdings, kind of like a library, our holdings of objects are the basis for many different research projects conducted by undergraduate, graduate students, as well as faculty from across the entire university system. So we're a real resource um, where you can think of us kind of like a library, if you will, of data on the state's natural and cultural history. Thanks to Pat. After finishing up with Pat, I decided to head back to my apartment and chill for the night. My friend's brother was in town, so I invited both of them over for dinner. For anyone that's coming to Fairbanks, this is seriously the most important thing you need to know. After 7 o'clock, Walmart reduces the price of the rotisserie chicken to $1. So, <laughs> once a week, you'll be catching me at 6.45, putting the chicken in my cart, walking around Walmart for 15 minutes, and then checking out at 7. Because sometimes there's a line, like, people get there early, get the chicken, because sometimes they run out before 7. So, I would say, get there at 6.45, put the chicken in your cart, just wait till 7. <laughs> So I made my friend and his brother rotisserie chicken is the point of the story. Here's Nate. Like me, Nate is just here taking classes for the summer. Hello, my name is Nathan Candler. I'm um, going into my fourth year 
Um, my home university is Sonoma State University in California, and I study electrical engineering there. I have a double minor in business administration and mathematics, and right now I'm in Emily's room. I'm sitting in a chair in the, if you're looking from the door in the back left, it's a blue chair. Who are we with right now? I also have my brother here. He is, I've been very blessed. Like He was able to come up and visit me, so he's uh, definitely sitting right there laughing at me right now. But uh, yeah. <laughs> We're excited to be here. What are you interested in and what do you do back in California? Something I picked up right before Rona started was I really like bowling. I don't know. Bowling, it wasn't, it was like kind of big in my life when I was younger and I kind of dropped it for a while, but then getting back in has been something I really appreciate and it's like really cool to just meet people. So that's like something I do. I think you left out. You're very social. You are a very approachable person and you make people feel very welcome. That's such a nice compliment. I really appreciate <laughs> that. That's so dope. What are some of the experiences you've had like using that quality like here in Fairbanks so yeah I, I pulled up um I actually left school the day before I flew into Fairbanks so I was very tired and just right off rip right when I got here people were like very welcoming to me I, didn't, I don't know I didn't not to say I didn't anticipate that but I had no idea what I was kind of getting myself into coming to Alaska I just kind of <laughs> came in cold turkey it was crazy and so I showed up and I had immediately met people I I was just like hey what's the best way to meet people and I figured just walking around and going into the social spaces in the hall that I live in and I actually met um, two dudes right off, like, in the first day, and it was really cool. I'm not a huge video game player, but that's what they were doing. And I felt like just putting myself in a situation to talk. With, I don't know. I was just over there, and I was just trying to be entertaining and trying to be cool and trying to, like, get what they were talking about. I don't know. I'm, I don't really know video games at all, but I was talking with them. We were laughing. It was really cool. How did we meet? How do we know each other? I actually introduced myself to somebody else. Um, Julia, she's great. Her and her friend were in a lounge. So I just knocked on the door, and they, they, they motioned me in, and I was like, hey, what's going on? introduced myself i think i gave them my number or like they gave me their number whatever like we were texting a little bit and then later that evening julia was like hey nate you want to pull up we're we're hanging out some of our friends were over at a suite and i was like yeah that'd be great i'm just trying to meet people so then i was like yeah give me like 10 minutes and i'll pull up and so i, I went over to the location and there were some people gathered here and i was like oh this is great <laughs> tons of new people like tons of like new experiences to have i met emily at the party it was really <laughs> cool we were we were cutting it up at that time and then uh, we kind of just went from there and like both like doing active things and like so we've been hitting a couple runs in you know the campus has some nice staircases that be killing me sometimes but uh it's been entertaining it's been really cool um what are some positive experiences you've had here so far either in fairbanks or at uaf i was able to rent a car right so i was able to go around and like try stuff and it's like very touristy here it feels like but it feels like the locals also do the touristy stuff as well. Like I went over to the visitor center because like I'm just looking for anybody's insight on like, what, hey, what can you do for fun? Like, what can I do here? As I was talking with the lady that was helping me, I was like, oh, that's very touristy, right? And she was like, yeah, but the locals do it too. Mm -hmm. And I found that really cool that like, even though I'm in this city and I'm trying to do all these touristy things, it's not like I am only with people that are not from here. Like some takeaways from here or things that you've learned that you're like, Oh, like that's kind of cool and I'll like bring that back. Like a takeaway from my time at UAF and I've realized just being here because I've realized how many people are more talkative if you're willing to just like make the first move. It's been really cool. Like a lot of these people they weren't talking in the halls, but as soon as they see me now, it's like, Oh, hey Nate, what's going on? And those are just people that I've introduced myself to. And like just a takeaway is like, Hey, I definitely should be doing that in my home university. I should be doing that in like all aspects of my life, which has been really cool. For like the Fairbanks aspect, right? I've been really blessed. Like my two friends over here, Emily and Julie, is really cool. They like invite me to do random stuff and I'm just gonna say yes to it because I wanna get the story right and so they took me out to like this hilltop mountaintop whatever the name was like this little concert that was just going on like a pop-up concert and it was really cool like um what i realized and like a takeaway from alaska is like people are so much more accepting it feels like i had no idea who i was walking into and where i was going but like people were chill with me being there and that's so cool because so many times in san francisco like you have to justify why you're doing something like why are you here? something i'll definitely remember
Thanks to Nate for his personal thoughts. And now, as this is the final episode for the series, I'm going to share some of my reflections from this summer. This past summer has been transformative, to say the least. I feel very lucky to have been a part of this community for two months and lucky to see and experience things I would have never been able to. I learned how to fly fish. I attended a concert on top of a mountain. I met people from all across America, learning about how they think and live. I ate the best Thai food I've ever had. I dug up items buried over a hundred years ago. I sat under a bright sun at 11 o'clock at night. I traveled to a native community and talked about life with their chief. I saw a moose, twice, I might add, and I ate ice from a glacier. However, the friendships I made and the people I've met in Fairbanks have been the most special part of my experience. My first week here, I was walking through the Morris Thompson Cultural and Visitor Center, and I took a picture of a plaque with a quote on it. I took this picture to see if I believed it to be true at the end of my time here in Fairbanks. I'd like to read it now because I couldn't agree more with it. The quote reads, Communities of Fairbanks, the people I've met here are some of the friendliest I've ever known. There's a sense of shared struggle unlike any place I've been. The diverse communities within Fairbanks blend together to give our town a warm, lively character full of community spirit. Each group of people is strengthened by others and contributes to the rich cultural tapestry of Fairbanks. Together we are complete. Together, we are Fairbanks. And I think this sums up exactly how I felt this summer. My first couple days here, I got the sense that I was in a true community. And to my delight, I was welcomed. Living here makes you part of a special kind of club where everyone is welcome. If you're listening to this podcast, and maybe you were like me, sitting in your New York apartment, curious about the world, wanting to learn and meet new people, take my word to take the jump. Everyone deserves an experience like the one I had here. Follow your curiosity and do something interesting next semester. Come to Fairbanks and see for yourself. I really want to thank the Fairbanks community for giving me a life-changing summer and for UAF for teaching me a world of new things. I'd also like to heavily thank UAF's own, the brilliant Marmion Grimes, for making this podcast come to life and for guiding me through everything this summer. I'll certainly be back soon, Fairbanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of My Summer in Alaska. This podcast is presented by the University of Alaska Fairbanks. A special thanks to producer Marmion Grimes and Samara Tabor. Thank you to everyone at UAF. For more information on the classes that I took, you can check out uaf.edu.